There's no point where we're like, nah, right, good. I am a closed book. But I'm going to just go ahead and invite uh, Jay Schiffman up to share his story. So let's give it up for Jay. Welcome to the Choose Your Struggle podcast. I am your host, Jay Schiffman. Welcome back to another episode of the Choose Your Struggle podcast. I... Greatly appreciate all of you continuing to listen. I am blown away by how many people have listened. I can see the numbers on the page I use to make these. And look, (laughs) I'll be honest, I didn't think this many people would listen if I did this thing for a year. So thank you to all of you. Thank you to people who reach out and tell me you know, what resonates with them. Thank you to the people who have been requesting bracelets. That's awesome. I've sent a bunch and that's really cool. That makes me super happy. So today's episode is pretty sweet. My guest this week is Akamia Deadweiler. Akamia is a pretty accomplished writer and journalist. She's been interviewed a bunch of places. I'm super lucky to join that list. She wrote Single That, Dispelling the Top 10 Myths of the Single Woman, which is a really interesting book. Uh, She has written for a bunch of awesome publications, but most notably for Yahoo. She's now working with Medium, and she lives in Nevada, but she speaks all over. Uh, We got connected online, and I'm really impressed with her work. I think you're going to love the interview. But that's not all. (laughs) If you thought, wow. What a great episode. A accomplished writer and author like Akamia, this is going to be great. Well, you're right. It is great. She was fantastic to talk to, and you're all going to learn a lot. I cannot overstate that. But I also have a message from someone else I admire. One of my favorite social media people to follow is an incredible activist. She's always working. I think like One of the things social media can do for us is it shows us some of the ways that people are working on things that we don't even recognize, right? I knew who this person was from her acting. You probably know her best if you follow the Marvel Universe. She is Squirrel Girl. She also was in some of the most memorable AT&T commercials of all time. I guarantee you, you look it up, you look at her, you're like, oh my God, I remember those. But I really respect Milana Weintraub for her work on social justice issues. She is pretty great. I love following her on social media for that reason. So I reached out to her and said, look, you do this. Would you mind sharing a message that I can share with my listeners on the importance of mental health and being in recovery? And she did not disappoint. I, I, you'll hear it here in a second. It was above and beyond what I could have expected. So... I'm going to go ahead and play that message for y'all. I'm going to take a break. You're going to hear some ads. And when we come back, I will launch directly into my interview with Akamia. Enjoy both of those, and I'll catch you at the end of the episode. In my early 20s, I found that very naturally, a lot of my friends were recovering addicts. And it took me a while to realize why. But I think it's because I was really attracted to people who were working on themselves 
and could have deep conversations about their goals and their highest self and fear and death and the effect that the universe has in shaping us. Um, Those are all still some of my most favorite conversations. So I'm imagining that you're having those a lot right now. And some people, your listeners, are probably having those conversations sometimes against their will. They're just like, I don't want to be doing this. I want to be numbing myself. And I can relate. I sometimes feel that way with just wanting to stay in bed. The thing is that I use to mute, actually, I think it's muting the voice inside of me that wants to create a lot of positive change and is a little bit afraid. We're probably more afraid of all of the things that we could be and do over all of the things that we're not going to do. And there's something almost like a power in muting ourselves, in depriving ourselves of the things that we need to succeed because now we know that we didn't succeed because we chose to. Or I didn't succeed because I didn't go to that meeting because I chose to. And it gives us this false sense of power. When actually, if we really are taking our lives into our own hands and a little bit parenting ourselves, a little bit of saying like, okay, little me, I say this a lot to myself. Okay, little Milana, I know you don't want to go to this meeting or you don't want to go to this lecture or you don't want to go to this party or this exercise experience or you really don't want to read this book or do this work right now. But listen here, little sweetie. It's going to bring you more joy and fulfillment than you ever thought possible. It will take you to the next level of joy and fulfillment and strengthen your relationships, strengthen your self-confidence if you keep these promises to yourself. So I'm honestly, I'm still having these conversations with myself every day. I don't think that we're ever finished. There's no point where we're like, all right, good. I'm a closed book. (laughs) I've written every chapter and now I'm a perfect novel. Nope. We're always works in progress. We're always growing. I am so grateful to Jay for requesting this little bit of wisdom from tiny person in California, but I'm mostly most grateful to him for spreading a positive message that we can all better ourselves and thus become more powerful forces of good on this weird little planet. I really respect the work you're doing. Thank you so much. Hey, y'all. I'm doing my first giveaway. Who doesn't like free stuff? Am I right? If you listen to the podcast, you know that I wear a plastic bracelet every day. It says, don't give up on one side and you matter on the other. It's made by a cool organization called Don't Give Up Signs. They do great work, and I use their products in a lot of different ways. Go check them out. But I decided to make some of my own. They say choose your struggle on them, and they're pretty sweet. So here's how this is going to work. Go to my website, www.jayshifman.com, and go to the Contact Me page. 
reach out there and let me know if you want a purple bracelet for addiction awareness or a green bracelet for mental health awareness. It's that easy. I'm even going to send it to you because coming to find me in South Carolina right now isn't really an option. The first 50 people who do this are going to get their bracelets sent to them free of charge. So reach out today and let's all wear some sweet Choose Your Struggle swag together. We need community and inspiration now more than ever. Reach out today. All right, back to the episode. All right, so if you wouldn't mind going ahead and introducing yourself. Hi, I'm Akamia Deadweiler. I am the author of Single That, Dispelling the Top 10 Myths of the Single Woman. I am a writer and journalist and here to just share my experience with others in hopes of helping them as well. So let's dive right in. I obviously want you to talk about the book. That's what caught my attention. But first, before we get to that, would love to know as long and as detailed as you want your story and what kind of what made you want to write this book? Well, what made me want to write the book is just kind of growing weary of hearing so many misconceptions made about women and just labels made about women that was based on their relationship status. And I think the most unfair labels come for women who are single, especially when you're no longer in your 20s. It starts to have this negative connotation with many people as far as like, oh, well, what's wrong with her? Why is she single? And what are you doing? And you need to do this. And you need to find a husband and you need to have kids. So as though, you know, life is supposed to go in a particular order where at a certain age, you're just supposed to get married and have kids, you know, who cares if it's the right person or the right time? It's like, this is just what you're supposed to be doing. And I just started to feel like, you know, something needs to be said about this. Something needs to be done in hopes of kind of quelling this a little bit. And so I had the idea to write the book and go by the, the top 10 myths that I have heard maybe not even used directly in reference to me, but when I hear single women spoken of, or even on Facebook, when people post status, here's why you're single, you know, <laughs> as though it's something that is, that warrants an explanation or needs to be described, you know, or a problem that needs to be fixed, you know, as though a woman can't just be single and she certainly can enjoy it. So I just thought, you know, it was a worthy cause and something that needed to be addressed. And I just took that on myself and wrote the book. So first off, props to you for, for doing that. I think that every person, no matter at what age or if they entered a, a long-term relationship, has heard those mm-hmm. sorts of things said to them. I guess my question is, how much of that was coming from inside your family and how much of that was coming <laughs> from you know, external forces. (laughs) Well, you hit the nail on the head. A lot of it comes from the people closest to us. And I'm sure men endure it as well. I just think, you know, it's a lot more harsh when it pertains to women. You know, with men, it's, oh, he's single. He's a bachelor. He's just having fun, you know. But with a woman, it's like, oh, what's going on? When are you getting married? When are you having children? So you're right. A lot of it comes from the people closest to us. And um, that is family and friends. And I don't know that they necessarily mean any harm by it. You know, you can, they only assess situations from their understanding. You know, so especially if it's older family members, you know, moms, grandmothers, and in their time, that was how it was. You know, women, you know, you left the house, you found a husband, you started a family. So you perceive situations from your own understanding. So I try not to, you know, hold it really against anyone. But in addition to that, I do see a lot, especially with the explosion of social media, everyone has an opinion. 
<laughs> and it seems that a lot of people want to share opinions on, you know, why you're single and how not to be single and what's wrong with you. And, and like I said, nine times out of 10, it's addressed to women. And I just felt like, you know, something needed to be said about that. How much of that do you think, and you can tell me if you think the answer is zero, but how much of that do you <laughs> think is because sort of you were talking about the differences between men and women being single and that men, it's sort of, it can be seen as cool and women, you know, mm -hmm. it's, oh, what's wrong with her? How much mm -hmm. of that is stigma around sex and how much of that is expectation of the biological clock, you know, quote unquote? Mm -hmm. I think it's a combination, you know, the biological clock does play a factor. And for some women, you know, the biological clock is plays a factor in, in decision making because if you're a woman who does want that, you want the family or you want the kids, once you start to hear that biological clock ticking, you may decide like, oh, I need to do this, you know, now while I can. And so you may end up making some, uh, I don't want to say poor decisions, but you may have made a different decision had the biological clock not been a factor. So I do definitely think it's a factor. Um, and that's a good point, you know, why it's a little different for men than women, because men can, you know, create children well into their 60s, you know, and maybe beyond. It's just there's really no specific cutoff date for men. So I'm sure that plays a role. And then I also think just the traditional gender roles are a factor. You know, traditionally women were at home raising children and they were wives and mothers. And that was seen as the role of a woman. And I, although I think we've come a long way, we've come very far in our impression of that. I still think, you know, those old traditions die hard and those old perspectives die hard. And we still kind of look at, look at women as, you know, our role being in the home and raising children. So how much, how, how personal was this for you? Is this something that you were just like, oh my God, I can't take <laughs> any more people asking me this. I got to run I'm getting this so often. Um, it was a little personal. I would say I haven't been, I haven't been faced with all of the myths mentioned in the book, but I do draw from my own experience. Um, I was single when I started writing the book. Cumulatively, I've been single longer than I've been in a relationship. So I do have a lot of experience to draw off of. And I use that because it would start to bother me sometimes where like if I couldn't, I couldn't go anywhere without the mention of my being single. You know, even if I was out with friends, it was like, oh, she's single. Do you have anyone to hook her up with? You know, it's like, you know, I'm just here trying to have a good time and I'm enjoying the company of my friends and the vibe and the atmosphere if I'm at a concert or something like that. But here comes this, you know, this constant reminder, not only that I'm single, but that something needs to be done about it. So um, my personal experience does have a role in the book for sure. So one of the things that I, I talk about a lot on the podcast and I try to get guests to talk about a lot too is, is stigma. And, and mm -hmm. I mean, what is your book addressing other than the stigma of being, being single beyond when you're quote unquote supposed to be, right? And mm -hmm. the big piece of that is that we are allowing society, sort of big picture society, to establish something up on our own lives that mm -hmm. we may not want. So how much of that is what you are addressing is people who feel this sort of pull to do this, mm -hmm. you know, beyond the biological clock question, all that, just because it's quote unquote expected. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you nailed it. It is a uh, societal impressions and pressures definitely have a lot to do with it. And the expectations that we allow society to place on us 
you know, where you kind of feel a little embarrassed if you're older and single and without children because of those societal pressures and that societal view. Never mind if you're completely content and you feel like, you know, I'm fine. If I don't have kids, I'm okay, you know, by myself right now. It's like you feel like there's something wrong with it based on those societal impressions and the pressures, you know, and the not wanting people looking at you like, oh, what's wrong with her and kind of, you know, affecting your own sense of self-esteem where you start to, they start to make you wonder like, well, is there something wrong with me? Why haven't I gotten married by now? You know, why haven't I had children? So a lot of it is definitely based on societal impressions and just the pressure that comes with having an established set of rules no matter how outdated as far as how you're supposed to live your life so that's what I was getting to when I say you get to a certain age and you feel like okay it's time for me to get married and have kids or you see your friends doing it so you're like okay I need to get married and have kids and you can end up making some bad decisions or some poor decisions because you're basing it on timing you know and how old you are and your biological clock is as opposed to whether or not this is the right situation for me. So I assume you've had a pretty good am- amount of people reach out after reading the book. What, <laughs> what, how, how is the break between people who are single and are like, thank you for this. I, I, these are the kind of things I needed to hear or mm-hmm. people who, like you said, made those bad decisions. So mm-hmm. have people reach out and go, man, I wish I would have read this before I settled mm-hmm. down. Yeah, I've had both. Um, of course, most of the feedback comes from women who can identify with the book, single women who face these stereotypes and are sick of it as well. Um, but I've had women also, I had someone leave a review saying how she froze her eggs because she was so afraid that she wouldn't be able to have kids. And she tied that to, you know, her sense of self-worth and what she was supposed to do. And she just expressed gratitude for the book because it made her, you know, feel like it was okay if she didn't and understand that it was up to her whether or not that's what she wanted to do and that she didn't want to make decisions out of fear. I've also heard from men who read the book and say, you know, they appreciate the perspective and it helped enlighten them a little bit and maybe think before, you know, they make these assumptions about women or when you're dating a woman who's single, try to get to know her instead of automatically defaulting to one of these assumptions about why she's single. So I've heard from a a lot of different groups of people and it definitely a lot revolves around, you know, just the whole expectation and people being happy that they read the book if they were in the midst of maybe making a decision they didn't want to make it helped you know turn them the other way or just feel better about themselves being single well i can tell you definitely obviously as a man that i think it is an incredibly important topic no matter you know what gender or sex you are you know i've got friends who obviously won't name here, but uh, <laughs> have told me, oh, I'm dating a guy. Like, this is this is a real story. She, you know, I'm dating a guy. Uh, you know, she's my age or in early 30s. And she said, you know, he's 45. And that makes me worry because, you know, if you're if you haven't been in a relationship by then, that's a red uh, flag. You know, how often do you hear mm-hmm. that? one? I hear that one a lot. And even it's it's less prevalent with men. But I even have heard it with men as men get older, especially. Like if you come across a man in his in his 50s who's never been married, never had children, it's like this immediate default to a negative assessment of that person. And especially with women, I think it's triple times that, you know, it's like, it's like, oh, wow, you know, you're in your, definitely don't be past 40. It's like, oh, wow, you know, 
you're in your 40s, you're in your 50s, no one's ever married you, you haven't had children, like you're a spinster. Because I think even as a man, you can kind of get away with it when in your 50s. People might, you know, start to be like, okay, when are you going to settle down? It's time. But you can still kind of get away with it. But for a woman, it's almost like it's unacceptable. So my wife wanted to ask you if you've had <laughs> any thoughts about changing or, or there's anything that has come up in this crazy time we're living in right now that, you know, has impacted the way you think about some of these things or if you've had people write in and go, man, you know, right now, like, this is when I need this kind of info. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've had a couple of people reach out. And I've also written just a couple of articles on the subject as far as dealing with this time when you are single. I didn't necessarily gear it towards women. But of course, it's coming from a woman's perspective, because it's written by me. But yeah, I think it, it can be tough, because now it's kind of when you start to you, we have a lot more time to reflect we're alone a lot more, we're alone with our thoughts a lot more. And if you're sitting at home alone, you can start to reflect like, oh, did I make the right decision in ending that relationship? Or, oh, I'm lonely, I wish someone was here. Because you can't just freely go out and be with your friends, you know, or go on dates and meet people. So this time can be especially tough. And I just hope that it doesn't, you know, drive us back to people and relationships that we decided were unhealthy. So that's been my biggest thing. And I've had a couple of people reach out. I've been trying to provide alternatives to how you can pass the time. You know, I recommend scheduling your days out so that you don't have a lull. And you're not sitting there just considering your situation and feeling lonely. But I've had a couple of people reach out and say, you know, that it really helped them. And, you know, they feel the same way they were struggling being a home alone. And they're starting to think about ex-boyfriends and, <laughs> and things like that, which is natural because it's, it's a difference between being single and still being able to go out and be around people and go on dates, as opposed to you see people in the house and you see families growing closer together and playing games and watching movies. And you don't have any of that. Right. So it's natural to evoke a little nostalgia or a sense of, oh, you know, I wish I did have someone right now. So I have been trying to address that. You know, I think that is a really great point you just made. I'm here in South Carolina. What's kind of interesting to me is that a lot of the people that I still see out, and not just here, you know, friends of mine on Instagram and stuff and Facebook who are posting that they're still going out and doing things despite knowing they shouldn't. Oh, my goodness. a person for single. <laughs> And, yeah. and it's tough. Like, you know, I mean, yeah. obviously we can sit, you and I can sit here and talk about how, you know, you shouldn't text an ex and all that kind of stuff yeah. during this. But <laughs> also if you're stuck at home alone and, you know, maybe you have a pet, maybe you have nothing. Mm -hmm. Like I get it. <laughs> yeah, I do too. It, it is, it is tough, you know, and especially at this point, maybe early on you were, it was a little easier to deal with because it's like, oh, you know, a few days have been in the house, okay, a week. And now it's two weeks and now we're going through the end of April. So I get that it's tough. My biggest thing it would be to try to assess the situation as though this were not our current circumstance. Like think, would you want to talk to this person if you weren't in isolation? Would you want to go back to the relationship if this wasn't the case? I think you really have to stop and be honest with yourself and, you know, be stern with yourself and say like, no, I'm only feeling this way <laughs> because, you know, I'm here by myself. But I get it. It is tough. You get you do get lonely when you don't even have the option to be around people. And like I said, when you see others um, who have family and significant others and they're playing games and watching movies and doing things together and you you kind of run out of things to do alone at this point. So it is tough. So it is tough. But I would just encourage those people to really objectively assess the situation and think like, 
is this something you would want? Is this someone you would want to spend time with if you weren't in isolation? And if the answer is no, I feel like you have to just try to fight that and find, figure out whatever else you can do to, you know, make your time alone more bearable. So we obviously want everyone who listens to this to go buy the book. So we're not going to go through <laughs> all of your tips, but pick the top two, not, not necessarily like the best two, just like the two that most resonate with you and tell, tell our listeners here about, you know, a little bit what they would get by reading this book. I would say the top two, maybe the ones that I, that I believe are the most common are number one, that a single woman is lonely or critically lonely, like more lonely than the average person. We all get lonely sometimes. Loneliness is a natural human emotion and sensation. But it's this idea that a single woman is more tragically lonely than other women. And I kind of debunked that one starting with the standpoint that I know women who are in relationships. I know women who are married, who sleep next to someone every night and they, they're still lonely. So for me, it's just, it's just attaching these myths automatically to a relationship status to say that a single woman is lonely or assume that she's lonely when there are married women and married people, like I said, who sleep in the bed together every night and they're just as lonely, maybe more so. So it just goes to my point of that you can't make these assumptions about women or anyone, you know, just based on a relationship status because you don't know. Um, and the second most common one is probably, you know, that um, that single women are broken somehow. Like there's something wrong with you, which I touched a little bit earlier. Something wrong with you, hard to love. Um, you're cold. You know, there's something about you <laughs> that needs to be addressed, that needs to be fixed. And that's why you're single. And those are probably the two most common that I hear. And my biggest thing is, that's not to say that some single women aren't lonely. That's not to say that some single women don't have work to do on themselves. I believe we all have work to do on ourselves. So it's not to say that those things aren't true sometimes. It's just the idea of defaulting to that or making that assumption without even getting to know the woman, like basing that solely on the fact that she's single is where I think the issue comes in. Those are both great points. And I also really appreciate that you also point out that we all can be doing things that, that you know, just because there's this stigma against being single, especially for women past a certain age, does not mean also that we all have things to, to be. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Even if you're in a relationship, even if you have someone, regardless of your relationship status, and even if you are single, like we all have things we can work on. We all have things we can get better at. So like I said, my issue is just the more so the automatic labeling, the defaulting to, oh, you're single, so X, Y, Z, and making assumptions based solely on that relationship status. So when did you write the book? I started writing the book, ironically, years ago. Um, I moved to Las Vegas in 2012, and I started writing the book then, and then I put it away um, just because, you know, life happened and I was focusing on some other things. But as time went on, I started to, you know, date out here and I got more experience and more material for the book. <laughs> so I pulled it back out um, maybe two years ago in 2018. I would do it here and there, maybe a chapter here and there, but I really got on it in 2018 and finished it. And then I released it in September 2019. And before we move on from, from that, tell everyone again, because I want you to say this like 10 <laughs> times, where they can find it. And the book is Single That, Dispelling the Top 10 Myths of a Single Woman. You can find it on Amazon, barnesandnoble.com, Books A Million, any major online bookseller. 
You can also get it at singlethat.com, which is my personal website. Very nice. So you are prolific in your writing. If you visit your website, you see that immediately. (laughs) Was that before the book or has that been since the book that people are going, we need more of this, Keep, Mm -hmm. keep, keep this going? I've always written. I've always been a writer. Um, A lot of my background comes from journalism. I cover some sporting events. I used to write for Yahoo Sports. Before I moved here, I was living outside Chicago and I was assigned to cover um, the WNBA team there and some NBA events. So I was more a sports journalist. That's how I got started with my writing career. And then I just started to branch out more into other topics and, you know, self-help and life topics. And most of it, to be honest, was kind of self-therapy. It was like, these are things I needed to talk through. These are things I needed to write about. And of course, you know, I feel like when you're honest and transparent about the things that you're going through, you, you, you reach other people, you know, and you connect with them because you're not the only one going through it, although it may feel like it sometimes you know, you're not alone in whatever your struggle is. So when you start to open up about that, you attract more people who like, hey, this happened to me too. And thank you. Mm -hmm. So I started with sports, branched out into the more life and like I said, self-help and love topics. And then I started writing for Medium. um, And it just kind of blossomed from there. And I just, I understand the importance of constantly like having your message out there and supporting what I'm doing with articles and information and things like that. So before we get into the rest of your writing, how many, how many books are you up to now? How many? (laughs) Technically I'm up to three. I took the first one out of print. So it's no longer available, but I had one other that I released before this one that was more general self-help, not, you know, directed around any specific subject matter, just things that I've experienced. So where else can people follow you besides your website? I am on social media at Akamia LD. That's A-C-A-M-E-A-L-D on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, all of your major channels. And that, my website, which is AkamiaDeadweiler.com, are the two best places to get in touch with me. So let's talk music, because I, I asked that <laughs> early on. Yes. Your website uh, for, for those of you who, who are listening and who haven't looked at it yet, uh, you have how many different rappers or, or musicians on, on that page? <laughs> I have a few. One of, my, one of my assignments, one of my writing assignments, I contracted with a publishing company to do these ebooks. Um, and one of them, had, a couple of them had me breaking down songs from, you know, iconic rappers of our time. I did one on Jay-Z one on Kanye West, one on Eminem, and that was my most favorite assignment ever, by the way. (laughs) So I had to listen and determine what I thought was their 10 best songs and break each one of them down. So it was pretty awesome, but those are the big three that you'll find on there. So you also, your last one was Kanye, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So you obviously can't see this, but I have a a framed college dropout vinyl. uh, Oh, wow. (laughs) Big, Big Kanye fan, at least until recently. Um, yeah, yeah, turned a lot of people off. <laughs> yeah, look, it's not that Sunday service isn't good music. It's mm-hmm. just when you listen to that next to Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Yeah, I mean, one of those different. is like one of the greatest rap albums of all time, and yeah, the other one is Sunday different. Service. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's but how hard was it to listen to some of these people that I assume you are just gigantic fans of, and go like, oh my god, I have to pick ten? You know, like. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I would say it was probably the hardest with Jay-Z because he has the the largest catalog. 
like when I wrote these ebooks, Kanye, he was still, he wasn't new, but he was kind of in the middle of his career. Eminem was kind of in the middle, so they only had, you know, a few albums out, but Jay-Z has been doing music for a very long time. So he was the hardest to have to go through all these albums, what I feel are phenomenal albums and try to pick just 10 songs that I think are the best. So I would say he's, he was the hardest. How many uh, were from Blueprint? Uh, several. I had, yeah. so I believe I had Song Cry on there. Song Cry. That was the one I was yeah. like, Song Cry is on that list. We're good. That song is unreal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Song Cry. Um, yeah. Was did I put uh, did I put his diss track with Nas? It's been a, it's been a few years since I wrote that, but that this is a perfect example of how hard it is. I could probably pick five songs just off of Blueprint alone, yeah, you know? <laughs> but yeah. I couldn't do that because I had to make sure that I touched on every genre and every album that he put out. That must have been a lot of fun. It was. It was tons of fun. I would I would love to do something like that again. So for back onto the topic not not that i don't i couldn't talk you know this with you for hours but uh, no, no, I appreciate it. So for for people who are currently single and are hearing some of this what is what's the message to them what's what do you what can you tell them to say look it's okay but also here's what you can say to those people your aunt your mom whoever you know, because like like you and I were talking about earlier, they are coming from a place of love. It's not like, mm -hmm. you asshole, go get, you know. Right. <laughs> it's, like, it's their concern because that's all they know. Yeah. Well, first I would say it's important to know who's coming from a place of love because I do think while most people are coming from a place of love, there are some people out there who try to use it as a slight, you know, against you. And sure. especially when you're out, you know, if you're out and about with a group of people and they want to let everybody know like, oh, hey, he she's single you know or there's nobody here oh I'm in a relationship so don't worry about me but we need to find somebody for her so I think it's important to know who you're dealing with and as far as their motivations but definitely when it comes to family and very close friends they're probably doing it from a place of love they want to see you happy and they associate that with happiness that finding someone with happiness so I think it is important to consider that um but I would say the biggest, the number one message I want to get out is that you are more than a relationship status. I think these these types of labels and this constant having to talk about it can make you view it as a part of who you are and kind of judge or determine your self-worth and the quality of your life based on that. So my biggest message is that you are more than a relationship status. That is just one small portion of your life. It has, you know, nothing to do with who you are or anything like that. It's just, you're more than that. You're so much more than that. And so how you would deal with it if it's wearing on you where people are constantly asking, asking like, oh, when are you gonna have kids? And when am I gonna come to your wedding? And it's bothering you. I would say you just be honest with them. If these are people that love and care about you, they're gonna respect your feelings. And you know, if you're content alone or if it's not as big a deal to you as it may be to them, I would say let them know that, you know, talk about all these other great things that you have going on that you'd love to be able to talk about with them. And sometimes people don't realize what they're doing. So if you just bring it to their attention, like, hey, every time I come over here, we have to talk about why I haven't had kids or who I'm dating. And like, you know, just, you know, keep it real and just be like, I appreciate that you 
you want that for me and you think you know that I'm worthy and deserving of that but I have a lot of other great things going on too you know talk about the trips that you've taken you know what you're doing with your work or your passions or other goals in your life and I think some like I said I think sometimes people don't realize what they're doing so if you just bring it to their attention if they really care about you I think they'll be more mindful of it going forward that's awesome and that's you know something that my wife and I don't have kids we're in our are now going towards mid-30s and mm-hmm. uh you know it's still a thing that we talk about but we're not a hundred percent sure in either way and so that's mm-hmm. something that we've had to have conversations with our family members yeah. now that we're having family members who, you know, our generation having kids, mm-hmm. there's that, Oh, you guys are next. And it's like, yeah, you're next. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah. And it's like, well, we're not sure. And it's like, well, what do you mean? You're not sure. Right. Like, like you're not allowed to right. not have children. So, so yeah, I definitely think, like I said, a lot of, like I said, people can only perceive the situation from their level of understanding. And a lot of people associate uh, children and family and marriage with happiness. And so if you don't, if you feel like you can be happy without those things, like for me, I'd love for that to happen in my life. If I were to find someone that I want, a partner that I wanted to spend my life with and we decided to have children, I'm 100% open to that. But I don't feel like that I won't still lead a full life if that doesn't happen. You know, I feel like even without that, I'll lead a full life. And a lot of people don't understand that. So sometimes you do just have to, with love, <laughs> you know, break it down for them and just show them how, what they're doing and how it's kind of making you feel. The final two questions that I, I would like to ask are one, who inspires you? Uh, I see a picture behind you. And so I think I know at least uh. one answer. Uh, <laughs> but but who who inspires you? And number two, because this is a podcast about mental health and addiction, what are your self-care habits? We all need all of that inspiration right now. So so what are you doing to help keep yourself sane and happy during this time? Mm-hmm. Um, first, my heroes, the, the picture that he's referring to behind me is of Albert Einstein. <laughs> it was actually hand-painted by someone um, for me. So I, I love it. But I wouldn't, I can't call him and inspiration he's more so just a figure that I look up to because he's a genius and while I think that I am very intelligent you know I can't I'm not aspiring to be Albert Einstein but it's definitely inspiration for me you know honing on your own genius you know you may not be a mathematical genius the way that he was but there is some area that you can become fluent in and you know become an expert in so it's just inspirational to me um as far as actual figures that I look up to, I would say, um, I have a few. Martin Luther King is probably my number one um, that I look up to just because of his mindset, how he kind of did what I try to do, which is enlighten people with love. So I'm not berating people in my book. I'm not berating, you know, men or anyone that have these, that has these perception of women. I try to approach all of my writing and everything that I do from a standpoint of love. And I feel like that's the best way to reach people. If you come out and you're angry and you're belittling people, your message is going to be lost. So whenever I'm thinking about, you know, how to be perceived and how I want my message to be received and how I want to deliver it, Martin Luther King is someone that I come back to because he talked about, you know, some real things, some difficult, some tentious topics at the time. And he still found a way to get it across in love. And I think that's why it was received. But um, as far as self-care, yeah, it, it's tough during this time to be quite honest for me. I do a lot from home anyway. I write. 
and things like that and I read so it hasn't been as difficult for me as it may be for someone who doesn't have you know hobbies and passions eventually you run out of things to watch on Netflix <laughs> you know so you get bored and you get lonely but um, self-care for me like I said I try to I think it's important to have a schedule for the day of what you're going to do from the time that you wake up until maybe the evening just to keep yourself busy and occupied so you don't have that idle time that starts to make bring you down or maybe make you make some bad decisions so have a schedule for the day focus on things that are productive if you have a business you've been wanting to start of course now is the time to do it you're in the house there's no excuse you know um and me i sit out on the patio a lot because we can't really go anywhere but i feel like to sit out there and get some fresh air just makes you feel like you're out in the world a little bit so I read, I write, I try to focus on things that are productive. And like I said, just having a structure for your day will support productivity. Both of those answers were fantastic. Thank you. Before we close, I want you again to say any, everywhere people can find you in the book. Okay, the book is Single That, Dispelling the Top 10 Myths of the Single Woman. It is available on Amazon, uh, barnesandnoble.com, booksamillion.com, and any major online booksellers. You can find me at Akamia LD on all social media and at AkamiaDeadweiler.com. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you for having me. This was great. Thank you. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast and then thought, oh, man, I just, I don't even know where to begin. Well, I have the perfect answer for you. It's Anchor. They have all the tools you need to get started right away, all in one spot. You can do it from your phone or your computer. They'll even distribute for you so you don't have to go looking for places to get your podcast out. But the best part is it's all free. That's right. You can sign up today without any hassle at all. You can even start making money right from the beginning. It's everything you need in a podcast in one place. So check it out today. Go to anchor.fm or download the free Anchor app to get started. Hey, y'all. Thank you to everyone who has reached out. I love it. Keep it coming. I want to hear from every single one of you. What resonates? What do you like? What don't you like? What do you want to hear more about? And hey, if you have a great opinion, I can get you on the episode. You can reach out at my website, www.jayshifman.com. On Instagram, at the next shiftman on Twitter at J.B. Schiffman, and on Facebook and LinkedIn at J. Schiffman. And sincerely, thank you for listening. All right. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Choose Your Struggle podcast. I do hope that you're all staying happy and healthy and safe. It is a scary time out there. I hope that interview resonated with some of you. Uh, I enjoyed it, and she was really incredible to talk to, so I hope you go check out her book or anything else that really hit home about her work. So if you can't hear it, I am shuffling the cards. It is that time. The Choose Your Card for this week is coming from the pack 54 Ways to Ease Your Anxious Mind. Again, from the Blurt Foundation. They don't pay me to say this. I just use their product, and it's great. Today's card resonates with me because my wife is taking this advice. 
it says, do some arts and crafts. She got herself a watercolor kit and has been painting, and it's very, very pleasant. If where you live is like where I live, you're seeing a lot of chalk art, which is fun. Really cool to see people decorating. More than that, there are people who live near me that I've seen while running or walking my dog who are putting inspirational signs outside their home, which is very nice, very appreciated. So, yeah, there you go. Do some arts and crafts. That's your choose your card for the week. And your good egg for this week, look, I'm not going to tell you how to do big picture good during this time. Everybody has their own way. Everybody has what's going to make them feel the best. You know, I personally am supporting a couple of nonprofits that matter a lot to me more than I normally would because they need it right now. But another way that my wife and I are trying to support our community is we are going out to eat at least once a week. And when I say going out, I, I, I mean, obviously picking up and bringing it home because we don't know what the restaurant industry is going to look like after this. You know, I was talking to a acquaintance here in Charleston uh, he's a guy in the recovery community who also owns and runs a restaurant not far away. And he was telling me, man, look, he said, when when this first hit, this is only three weeks ago when I'm recording this. He said, when this first hit, every single restaurant was like, yeah, we're going to open, you know, takeout only, whatever. When I went to go get food from him a couple days ago, he was the only one on his block still open. He said, man, people realize real quick that they are not prepared for this. The food quality wasn't there, the service wasn't there, and a lot of the places just immediately closed up. He said he knew personally three restaurants that had already gone under, and that's that's scary, not just because it's something we take for granted, but because they employ a lot of people. So here's your good egg for today. In whatever capacity you can, support a local restaurant. Go pick up food, buy a gift card, <laughs> just Venmo somebody you know who works at a restaurant. Do whatever you can because, look, like I said, there are a lot of industries that are hit, and I'm not going to pretend to know all of the ways we can help out right now. But this is one that is hit really hard. So do something to support a restaurant. That's your good egg for the day. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Choose Your Struggle podcast. I got good stuff coming up. I got four more interviews planned in a row. I mean, look, this podcast has taken off in a way that makes me super happy. I love that people are listening. The numbers are higher than I <laughs> I thought possible for if I did this thing for a year, but you know, people are listening and that's awesome. So thank you all for listening. Thank you to the people who are coming on in the future weeks, a couple of whom are listeners as well. Stay tuned. It's going to be fun. I will see you next week. Stay happy, healthy, and safe. And remember, choose your struggle.